Revelation chapter 6, or Revelation chapter 8, excuse me. We're going to start in verse 6, so that's, that's where... I tell you, you want to preach tonight, Daryl? <laughs> chapter 8, we'll start in verse 6. We have seen the seven seals opened, and when the seventh seal was opened, there was a span of silence for half an hour, and then appear seven angels holding seven trumpets. One offers the prayers of the saints, along with incense before the throne of God, takes fire from the altar, cast it upon the earth, and now we are set as the judgments begin. In a way, the seals were the first parts of the judgment of God. But in a way, they were setting the stage, getting things ready for God's ultimate purpose to be fulfilled. Now with the book of the scroll open, it seems obvious that what we are seeing, what John is seeing and recording for us, is what is written on the scroll, the things which are to come. Revelation 8, we will read verses 6 through 13. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood and those these were thrown upon the earth and a third of the earth was burned up and a third of the trees were burned up and all green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood and a third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet and a great star fell from heaven blazing like a torch and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet and a third of the sun was struck and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. Pray with me. Father, as we delve tonight into part of your judgments, Father, may we be thankful that we as your people have already seen your wrath poured out on your Son. Your wrath over our sin taken out on His sinless body that we might have reconciliation with you. But God, there are others who haven't. Others who don't know that reconciliation. Give us renewed vigor for the task ahead. Use this word to change our hearts and thereby change our lives. In Christ's name, amen. The seven trumpets are, uh, in one way, one of the three major series of the judgments of God. We'll see other judgments soon, but these trumpets are, it's a heavy thing. John is standing, he's seeing in heaven, and he sees these things taking place, and he sees these angels, and in verse 6 he describes them preparing 
to blow their trumpets. And I could picture from John's perspective, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm struggling with how to, how to say this. Sometimes something bad is coming and you see it coming from a long way off. You know that it's coming. And you start to prepare yourself mentally, but the moment that it arrives, the moment that it happens and actually unfolds, there's a heaviness. I I think of some of you who have lost a parent. Um, You know it's coming for a while sometimes. Um, Some of you for a long while. And I I can't imagine the feeling of looking at your mom or your dad watching them waste away. I I can see, I've watched others kind of slowly go down that path, but no one quite that close to me. I can't imagine what it feels like, but I can imagine that the closer and closer you get, the heavier that burden becomes. Am I correct? That it's just like, like you get to the time where it's almost there. Carrie's grandmother is in bad shape and... I know that it's weighing on her. And I can't imagine. I, I, I see it in others. I've kind of known people who that's happened to, and I can kind of identify a little bit, but I just can't I just can't picture the burden myself. But I imagine John is feeling a sense of that burden. Watching the angels put the trumpets to their mouths, ready to blow. I imagine he the weight of it is starting to hit him. Now you remember the last couple chapters, there's been a lot of praise and worship. Chapter 4 is the scene of praise. Chapter 5, there's this heaviness to who is worthy to open the scroll. And then we find one who is worthy. And there's this shout of praise. There's this multitude of angels singing praise to the one who's worthy. Even in chapter 6, You still hear those hints of praises as things are developing. And in chapter 7, another outbreak of praise throughout the whole chapter. But now the weight of judgment is starting to settle. And we read in verse 7, the first angel blew his trumpet. And there followed hail and fire mixed with blood. This isn't the only time this is mentioned in Jewish apocalyptic literature. But it's not often you get all three of these. Back in Exodus, the seventh plague was hail. But Exodus, uh, I think it's in chapter 9, it says that along with the hail, there were flashes of lightning. It wasn't just hail. It was a hail storm. And so you can picture this lightning striking, hitting trees, hitting things, and watching things burn, getting hit by these lightning bolts and it says it was devastating the third of the earth was burned up a third of the trees were burned up and all green grass was burned up the word for trees here was probably indicative of fruit trees fruit trees were critical in palestinian agriculture because that's a good portion of the food came from fruit trees it came from vines that gave grapes it came from trees that produced figs and and pomegranates and various other things If not for fruit trees in that part of the world, it's hard to find food. And a third of them burnt to a crisp. A third of the earth burnt up. A third of the trees gone. And the green grass would be foliage on the ground, not just grass itself, but other things. All burnt up. 
There's no food for animals. There's no, there's not a lot of food for people. It's all gone. The second angel blew his trumpet. Now, you got to remember, Don is riding around the mid-90s, close to the end of the 90s AD. Only about 20 years earlier that Vesuvius erupted in Pompeii. Wasn't very long ago. Still collective memory. I mean, about a little bit longer than 9-11 was for us. And it wasn't just something that people really close to it remember. It's something that people all over the known world remembered. The fallout from Vesuvius was widespread. It rained ash thousands of miles away. And so now John sees, and the only way he can describe it is a, a great mountain burning with fire. He doesn't know any other way to picture it. It just Maybe it reminds him of Vesuvius. Maybe it reminds him of the story. And, and the only way he can describe it is it's this huge, it looks like a mountain burning with fire and it's thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea, he says, became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died. And a third of the ships were destroyed. Think about the impact of just one of these and we're only into two. A third of the earth is now burned to a crisp. A third of the sea is blood red. And the stench of death floats into the air. The third angel blew his trumpet. By the way, you guys know what a hurricane will do to shipping for certain big companies? Shipping gets delayed a couple days. Now imagine a third of the ships used in commerce are now at the bottom of the ocean. Imagine that impact on the world economy. The third angel blew his trumpet and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch. And it fell upon a third of the rivers and the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. Wormwood means bitter, by the way. The name given to it is, it's named that because of the bitterness. And a third of the waters became Wormwood. So a third of them are blood red. Now another third of them are bitter. Can't be drunk. Many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. Best we can tell, I, I don't know for sure what this is, but it looks like this is natural things happening supernaturally. It looks like God is using things that, that are normal occurrences on this earth from time to time, but he's using them in such a way that they are to a much bigger scale than before. We were talking the other day about the uh, one one of the theories of the dinosaurs being extinct is that there were there was a meteor slamming to the earth, and we were talking about that. Maybe that's what this is. Maybe this is a meteor. It's just so large that when it hits Earth, it devastates the world. I don't know. I do know it's God's judgment. That's about all I know. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, verse 12, and a third of the sun was struck and a third of the moon and a third of the stars so that a third of their light might be darkened and a third of the day might be kept from shining and likewise a third of the night. So not only is this happening on earth, it's happening out in the cosmos as well. Picture it. You go outside one night. You're in a dark area. Thousands of stars above you and then next thing you know, a third of them are gone. You could picture like a third of the earth or a third of the moon, this giant chunk taken out of it. You could see a third of the sun. It's almost like, like a giant piece of the sun has exploded off of it. 
I want you to notice something about these. I haven't said anything about it yet. But you see the pattern that's happening. With every single one of these trumpets, it's always a third. Other than all the green grass, back in verse 7, or verse 8, verse 7, other than that, it's always a third. It's a third of this, a third of that. Did you notice that? God's judgment is not yet complete, but it's devastating already. If you want to find out how devastating it is, don't eat 10 days out of the month. And you'll see how much a third really is. Take a third of your money and throw it in your fireplace. And then live off the rest. You could, I mean, you don't have to burn it. You could, I could think of some things you could do with it. But other than that, in all seriousness, take, take a third. Whatever it is. Whatever it is you have. Take a third of it. Put it off to the side. Don't use it. And you'll find out very quickly. Now, some of us have too much stuff. We could take a third and not really notice it. I'm not talking about the kitchen pans that have been in your drawers for like the last 10 years that you haven't moved since you moved in. I'm not talking about that. I'm serious. Take a third of the clothes out of your closet. Throw them away. They probably don't fit anyway. A third is devastating. And it's only a third. Imagine when God actually brings the fullness of His judgment. As bad as a third is, as bad as it is for a third of the water to be blood or a third of the land to be smoked... Imagine what it's like when God puts full judgment. Even now, He's holding back. Even now, He's waiting. Even now, He's not opened the floodgates wide. Even now, He's just cracked them because humanity would be consumed. Humanity would be doomed if God opened the floodgates more. And and this is just the first four trumpets. Verse 13 gives us an ominous message. It gets worse. Look at verse 13. Then I looked and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. Oh, you think it's bad now. The word for eagle here in that day, they didn't differentiate. If it was a large bird, whether it was a bird of prey, like an eagle, or whether it was a scavenger, like a vulture, they didn't distinguish between the two. In fact, there's five times the word is used. Two times, it's in, in the ESV at least, two times it's translated vulture, three times it's translated eagle. I'm almost wondering if this ain't a vulture flying overhead, waiting, waiting for the judgment, almost like it's ready to feast circling over, knowing that it's about to get its own meal. I almost wonder, as it flies over, it cries out with a loud voice. Remember, this is apocalyptic. Maybe John's understanding his cry. Maybe this eagle, some of your versions may even have the word angel. Yeah, some of y'all are like, yeah, yeah, I was wondering about that. Maybe it is an angel that looks like an eagle. It's hard to tell. Some, there's, a, there's a difference in the manuscripts. Doesn't matter for the theology of it. The theology of it is woe to those on earth. And not just woe. Look at this. Woe, woe, woe. Where have I heard a word repeated three times like that? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. You say it three times. You're not just saying it. You're saying emphatically. 
You're saying God is completely and totally holy. There's nothing about Him that's not holy, right? This angel's saying, whoa, 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 you're doomed. There is no, there's no escape. You are doomed. But it's also making the point that each, each of the next three trumpets will bring additional woe. You might say, this is all really, really heavy. I mean, this, this is not the lift you up kind of message. This is not one of those scriptures that people turn to when they need encouragement. I'm not putting Revelation 8.13 on my wall. Carrie definitely wouldn't let me do that. I think this reminds us of two things, and judgment always does. First, it reminds us that there are some who are facing this judgment. And it's part of our job as Christians to make sure that we get the gospel to as many people as possible. They, we can't make them accept Jesus. That's kind of a good thing. I mean, have you ever had to deal with someone that you drug kicking and screaming to something they didn't want to do? Now, I know the, y'all who have been parents, y'all have never experienced that. But we still got to do everything we can. There's still some that face judgment. And we got to do everything possible. But it tells me something else. Even in this time of judgment, I mentioned it earlier, God is still holding back the worst. A third's a lot but it's not even half. God is still holding back. Why is God still holding back? Why doesn't He just open it up and devastate all of sinful humanity and then bring me in and make it happen? Well, it's the same reason that He sent this prophet to a city named Nineveh. prophet who didn't want to go, who had to be convinced to go, and even then wasn't too happy about it. Preached an eight-word sermon. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. Why does God then turn and not bring destruction on Nineveh? But doesn't God say they were going to be destroyed? Someone asked me this one time. What do you think about the Jonah paradox? I found that if if someone is quizzing you, is questioning you on matters of faith, and they're like antagonistic, it's always good to let them talk because they'll talk themselves into a hole. Like they'll talk themselves back into a wall. Um... I've also found that I'm very bad at doing that. I'm not very good at exercising that. But in this particular case, I was good. I said, what, what, what paradox is that? And I'm talk about it. And he said, well, God was going to destroy the city, but then after Jonah preached, he didn't destroy the city. And I told him, I said, yeah, he didn't because they repented. You see, God's purpose was never to destroy Nineveh. God's purpose was to get them to repent. And it's the same way here. God's purpose is not to destroy humanity. Even though He's passing judgment and He is completely righteous to do it, His purpose isn't just to judge sin. His purpose is to seek redemption. It is not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And it's being exercised right here. The reason He only does a third of the land, a third of the sea, a third, a third, a third. The only reason he's doing that is because he's hoping the other two-thirds, the people who are being judged, will look to him in repentance and say, forgive us for our sin. And even today, he waits. Even today, he stands at the door and knocks. Even today, he offers repentance to those who so desperately need to repent. I see even in Revelation 8, in these judgments of God, and they will get worse, 
It will get more devastating and eventually God will fully judge sin. But I see even in this moment a father's tear wishing he didn't have to punish. And I don't think God is like men where he decides, well, I made, I made a mistake in punishing that hard. I don't think he's like that. But I do think he so desperately wants to see men repent of their sin that he's willing to open up the floodgates just a bit and give them the opportunity one more time. Oh, if they would just come to me. I could hear Jesus saying, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you under my wings, but you would not. It's not the cry of someone who's angry. It's the cry of someone who's heartbroken. Our sin breaks God's heart. and He desperately wants us to repent. So much so that he's willing to judge our sin. Love doesn't always do what feels comfortable. Love sometimes deals very harshly, but it recognizes that it has to. And I see in Revelation 8 a love of God that's willing to judge, but that holds out full judgment, waiting for repentance. Chapter 9, we'll see the last three. I don't know how quickly we'll go through them. All I know is that as these judgments get worse and worse, God's not giving up, not giving up on His people, not giving up on offering repentance, not until it's time. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. You don't just destroy us when we do wrong. God, so often we, we pray things like, why don't you just, why don't you just make it right? And we forget that your heart is not to destroy those who are in sin, but to offer repentance again and again. I don't want to make it sound like you're wishy-washy and you'll just forgive anybody. Um, but I do recognize your heart is for sinful man to come back to you, to turn away from his sin, to put his faith and trust in you, to put you on the throne of his heart. God, help us share your word with those around us. Help us see others come to know you. Help us see men and women, boys and girls, turn from their sins and turn to Christ until that until that final day when you reign in glory for all eternity. Help us be faithful with our calling. In Christ's name, amen.